Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello and welcome to The Boldness. My name is Phineas Mir. Joining me is Raphael Kalev, as he usually does every every show. And I must thank Raphael for filling in in my stead last show, because I was um, ill. Uh, Thank you very much for coming back. Yes, I I did feel the need to come back and, and spread the love. Um, now, the boldness, before we go much further, is about, well, gra- grabbing, well, it's about grabbing your human rights with both hands, not just waiting for some well-meaning person to give them to you. In fact, you better forget grabbing them. How about demanding them? That's far better, isn't it? Uh, anyway, t- today we have a f- great show um, coming up, uh, but I'd better, better let Daniel tell you what's coming up. Okay, well, is it on tonight's edition of The Boldness, we are talking with disability advocate and blogger Al Gibbs, and it should be very, very exciting. It should be. Now, with a bit of luck, Al can hear us right now. I sure can, Finn. How are you going? I am exceedingly well, and it's a pleasure to hear your voice at this point on a Wednesday. Now, we're here to talk to you about the, um, the well, the media and disability. Obviously, it has been, and it, well, it's been an issue that's always always been there, but has, uh, I suppose, re- it's sort of recently, um, si- recently simmered, simmered uh, in terms of how the media. It's been simmering way in terms of how the media deal with how the media deal with disability. So, uh, I guess we'll start by asking, how do the media uh, deal with disability? <laughs> well, it depends if you're a person with a disability, I suppose. Um, uh, I don't think the media has a particularly nuanced understanding of disability beyond kind of, oh, look, let's be inspired by the excellent person, you know, going down the street, yeah. go to work, so yeah. inspiring. Yeah. Or I think the other narrative is, that's terrible, you know, feeling sorry for people. Um, I think in crypt circles it's called having a pity party. Um, and, you know, that just somehow that having a disability is worse than, than death. Well, so I don't think they go beyond much of that, <laughs> to well, be frank. Well, Al, what about the one of uh, portraying disability as stereotyping when something bad happens? What do you mean? Uh, for example, uh, Julian... Um, if somebody had a disability, for example, and maybe there might be a crime committed and the person with a disability or people with a disability therefore will act the same way. Is that in terms of... I know that uh, particularly in America, every time that they have one of those terrible shootings, uh, there's, they're very quick to say, oh, it's somebody who's mentally ill or somebody who has a disability and... I, you know, lots of people with disability groups in America jump up and down and go, no, <laughs> no. 
It's uh, actually, is that kind of what you meant? That's what I'm referring to, yeah. Earl. The stereotyping of one person does it, therefore one person um, is part of it instead of looking at the actual individual. Mm. And I think particularly for people with a mental illness um, or psychosocial disability or there's lots of ways that people refer to themselves, I think that that's particularly problematic because it ties into that idea that um, it, you know, having a disability makes you more likely to commit a crime when in fact it's the opposite. Um, you're more likely to have a crime committed against you if you've got a disability. Um, but also I think it, it means that um, you know, things like gun control don't have to be talked about or uh, you know, police violence or any of that sort of stuff doesn't have to be talked about. We can just say, oh, oh it's a problem with the person with a disability. Is, is there much, just to f- follow up, uh, there, there is, are we better off looking at when crimes against people with disabilities are committed, are we b- better describing them as uh, disability hate crimes? Well, I think some of them are, but I think that, you know, like we've had recently, um, when crimes are committed against people with disabilities, like, you know, violence, particularly violence or abuse, quite often they're not seen as crimes. So they're not reported to police or people with disability aren't seen as reliable witnesses um, or in the case of what I don't know we're going to go on and talk about soon, you know, people have had more sympathy for the perpetrators mm. of, of the crime and said, oh, well, you know, it must have been such a strain on them, you know, having a person with disability in their lives. Oh, <laughs> can you see my eyes rolling from there? <laughs> well, I can actually hear them rolling. <laughs> Um, so, what? Well, yes, in terms of the, but in terms of the, we, we've touched obviously on terms, in terms of the, the, the narratives that people use. Uh, I remember one case in particular, um, and I know that the, the, the late and much lamented Stella Young wrote, uh, wrote um, passionately and and um, vociferously about this. Uh, there was a there was a uh, there was a case in which the uh, the husband married the husband married the husband murdered their their uh, their, their wife who had an ABI and the way that was reported it was reported that uh, th- that we should all have sympathy for the hu- all have sympathy sympathy for the husband because he was doing the right thing it was kind of like a mercy killing it was um you know living with someone with a abi is very hard so therefore we must have we must engender we must engender uh some form of some form of sympathy yeah i mean i think that one that one was really shocking and not just shocking for the crime, which was awful, but I think the sort of mainstream reaction that somehow that was okay, mm. that he murdered his wife and his children, but oh, the poor bloke, he was a saint for looking after the crippled lady. And I find that, you know, I have low expectations of some people in public life because they're, <laughs> you know, can generally be relied on to be fairly awful, but I, you know, was quite shocked to see people who are normally nuanced and sophisticated in the way they talk about things that when it comes to things like disability they just have no idea and they seem to think that that's okay that it's okay to say 
Oh, well, you can understand why he did it. Really? No, I don't actually think you can. Well, Al, what, I mean, is it... One of the, I noticed in one of your blog articles, you talked about disability and the justice system where a person with a disability has been charged with a crime about the understanding of the legal system. Would you like to comment? Sure. I mean, a lot of that came from... Uh, there was a fantastic report by the Human Rights Commission, uh, I think two or three years ago, uh, called Equal Before the Law. And it looked at the state and territory justice systems, because they deliver um, most of our justice systems, and then the federal government as well, and looked at how people with different kinds of disabilities had got along in the, in the, in the justice system. And so, for example, they talked about a case study where uh, an Aboriginal man was being charged with murder and he'd gone through the whole court case and just said yes and no. And once the verdict had happened and he was there for sentencing, they found out he was profoundly deaf. And so he hadn't heard anything that had been said to him. And no one had bothered to find out, you know, whether he could hear and whether he could understand. Uh, and so, and say for women with disabilities um, who are abused, say, you know, you know, person that they live with or um, they f- so face some kind of violence, often they're not seen as reliable witnesses. So, so police go, well, that's not our problem. That's a problem for the service provider or... Um, we can't take them to court because they're not reliable witnesses. And that means that people with disabilities often miss out on, you know, you know, redress through our justice system. But at the same time, often behaviour, like people with disabilities um, uh, behave in ways that people think of as criminal. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes they are, end up in the justice system when they shouldn't be in the justice system. Mm. It's probably, I mean, there, I guess, that addresses a, a failing within the justice system, but also a failing to to realise to realise alternatives. Mm. Mm. I mean, lots of people who communicate in different ways talk about having trouble getting police and courts and everything to understand you know, they can talk, you know, it might be different ways, but they can talk just fine and communicate with people. They just need a bit of time or, you know, a different way of doing it. And I think that's where, like many of our sort of systems and things that, um, services that we have, they're not, they're designed for one kind of person, you know, and they need to be designed for all kinds of people. Mm. Our guest tonight is L Gibbs, who is a disability activist and blogger now we're just going back to how the how the media is currently reporting disability issues um there there is has been a recent spate of of um well injustice to people and abuse of people with autism uh, in one case we've had people caged we've had people um Handcuffed, handcuffed, and 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 to a fence, and and dying, and and there've been several other incidents recently reported in the media. How how have you assessed their reporting? Well, I think that what's been notable is the lack of voices of people with disability talking about, it, particularly autistic people. And I think that that is a lesson that that, that a lot of media. Um, I mean, they don't do it with other groups. And I think that with disability, they're still learning about, um, 
you know, actually asking people with disability, uh, you know, for their perspective. And I think that was that carried through so that the parents' voices were, were very strongly heard in those cases. The parents' groups were able to uh, appear in the media and therefore their viewpoints dominated the conversation. And the autistic, the organisations of autistic adults who wanted to comment were then not really able to uh, change that narrative once it had started. So it made it all about, oh, you've got to have sympathy for the parents, which I still find astonishing, um, rather than you don't chain kids to a bed, full stop. Why Why is it, do you think, that the... That it, I guess it goes back to our earlier uh, case study with the... With the with the, uh, the the husband and and, and wife with ABI uh, murdering both the the children and the the wife um, in terms of why do you think that these people the victims and and parents and lobby groups can engender this level of sympathy for perpetrators of abuse Look, I think it's part. It's complicated, and I think one of the reasons is that people with disability for a long time were segregated and and away from the mainstream. You know, kept at home, not able to go to school, um, in institutions. You know, and so for a lot of people, they don't encounter a lot of disabled people, and you know, so they see them as, as yeah, they don't have a lot of experience with people with disability. Um, and so I think that they're, they're struggling to understand that people with disability can speak for themselves and that disability is something different than being broken or being wrong or being, you know, weird. <laughs> well, it might be all of those things, but um, <laughs> um, I think that the... Sometimes I think that when we all talk to each other as people with disability, you know, we we can be, you know, we are a, a fair way ahead of where the mainstream is in terms of uh, basic ideas like people with disability have the same right to services as everybody else and, you know, uh, should be able to go to school and go to work and go to the hospital and not have to be in a special place to go to the doctor. Do you know what I mean? Well... Al, how does a person with a disability engage with, let's say, mainstream media? Well, yeah, um, I think there's a couple of different ways. I think social media is one of those ways that for people with disability has been fairly revolutionary. <laughs> I know that there are accessibility issues with Facebook in particular, but um, Twitter, Facebook, blogs, those kind of things, Tumblr have all been ways where people with disability can react and respond. So it's a bit more these days than just a letter, letter to the editor. Um, you can respond on a newspaper website or on a radio station or that kind of stuff or set up your own page like you guys are doing, set up your own radio shows, Facebook pages, blogs, websites, all of that stuff. And so, you know, get the experience of being able to talk and being able to challenge those narratives do, do you think just around that do, do you think that it, it's going to be that it 
will one day write itself that people with disabilities will, will be heard. And I, I guess it's important to point out that we're not suggesting that uh, you know parents or, or, or care, carers groups don't comment on these issues, mm. but it, they shouldn't be the only voice that's heard. Exactly. So, and, yeah. and so, I think that's yeah. a really important point that, you know, carers and parents, but, you know, people without disabilities have a, have a right to have a say. It's, there's nothing about this saying they don't, but it shouldn't be at the expense of people with disabilities. And I think that's where it, it gets harder because for organisations of people with disabilities, a lot of the time they don't have a lot of money, uh, they don't have a flashy website, <laughs> they don't have someone who's employed to ring up journalists and go, hey, talk to us. Uh, so sometimes that imbalance in terms of money and resources can be hard and it makes it difficult. Our, our guest this evening is El Gibbs, uh, disability blogger and disability activist, and we're talking how the media covers disability. Now, also, uh, we should also touch on um, how they deal with intellectual disability and how that was highlighted recently for me was uh, with the Australian, with with the uh, economics editor for the Australian, Adam Crichton, who who tweeted uh, who tweeted about the who tweeted about um, was tweeting about, about the the uh, liberal leadership spill and his hope that um, hope for uh, the new the new the new leader and as one of the the hashtags he put left hard and left hard for those that don't know is a derivative of the R word being uh, retard and a very derogatory term it is a very derogatory term and one and one that we should avoid using at all costs um, but an interesting thing happened um, interesting thing happened with that L in terms of the Twitter sphere kind of, the Twitter sphere went off but also uh, people with dis- people with intellectual disabilities spoke up they sure did I mean the in New South Wales uh, New South Wales Council on Intellectual Disability their chairperson Michael Sullivan is a bloke with an intellectual disability and he um, he you know went off he went off on Facebook on Twitter and just sort of said no you can't do this he said everyone hates this word it's just one word but it's outdated offensive and derogatory please use another word and he said that using the word is unfair and it's not acceptable uh, and he said it's time for you know attitudes for people with disability with intellectual disability to change and so I thought that was fantastic it was leading a campaign from a person with intellectual disability talking about how it affected him, how it affected the people he advocates for. And, you know, and I think it had real power because, you know, Mr Crichton did apologise. <laughs> and I think that that's, um, you know, he, I presume, didn't expect to hear from a, from a person with an intellectual disability saying in very, very clearly what you have done is wrong. Do, do you think that that... I mean, do you think that that will would actually have an impact, or is or is it more likely to be the the usual the usual um, liners of um, sort of ungenuine sort of sincerity to to coin a f- phrase? <laughs> no, 
I mean, he said he apologised without qualification. Um, I know he's there's a slight, you know, he said for any genuine offence or hurt. But I think he showed, I think Michael's response showed that, yeah, it was genuinely offensive. Like, he found it offensive. And, I mean, Adam's a bit of a conservative... Um, how shall I put this politely? Um, <laughs> not likely to listen to a lefty like me, but... Yes, but, I, I don't think he'll be part of the 3CR audience uh, <laughs> anytime soon. But, but, if you, but, if you are, but if you are listening, Mr Crichton... Uh, we're delighted to we're, have you. We're delighted to have you aboard the bonus and uh, and we'd we like to discuss we, it further and and we'd like some and uh, you know feel free to send us some money when Radiothon comes along, um, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But um, I think I think uh, yeah I think obviously I mean I guess the thing is uh, we can try to say uh, we can try to save the the media one world one journalist at a time but that's probably not gonna that's probably not always gonna work mm. oh look i agree i mean one thing that i've done this year it's just been slightly amazing to be frank so i did some crowdfunding for a series of articles about disability policy it's really nerdy stuff like beyond nerdy and i cracked my funding goal in 10 days and then got even more so there's an audience out there who's interested in disability issues. I'm sure you get responses from people from your radio program. Um, there are people who want to know about this stuff in a bit more detail and who want to, who are interested in hearing from people with disability talking about all of this kind of stuff. So I was really chuffed with that. And I published the first one today, which was... 3,000 very long words. Um, <laughs> so I don't expect anyone to read it who's not interested in policy. It's totally fine. But I think that um, that kind of finding places where you can talk about the nuances of disability, publishing them is a really good thing. Uh, talking about them in your workplace, talking about them in your union, uh, you know, talking about them with your peer groups and on social media, all of that stuff, I think, continues to break down this idea that people with disability are somewhere off over there and it's like no 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 we're here we're noisy you just have to find us yeah and well, we will tell you when you make a mistake well al what about what about sort of like social media and shaping government policy let's say the voucher system for people with a disability instead of receiving income yeah um i think that it depends on the government and which level of government. Um, but I do think that it's possible to use social media uh, as a way of organising uh, and a way of being strategic with what you want. I think that using it for kind of random stuff in terms of uh, not having a strategy behind it can be problematic and just be heard as noise. But I think that... Um, so, for example, uh, the new social services minister uh, tweeted about how people with, on, the, on the disability support pension were such terrible burdens to the economy. Now, on Twitter particularly, he got a pasting, like beyond a pasting. And as a new minister, particularly from WA, which is a long way away from the East Coast, he's vulnerable to that stuff. So he would be under no, you know, no doubt that people with disability were really cross about what he said. And there was an article there in the, in the Australian Today uh, that used the 
academics, Peter Whiteford's work, who's really good on the real complexities of our social safety net and how it all works. And it was actually about the facts. It wasn't about terrible burdens. It was about these are the actual facts about how our social safety net works. It's not a disaster. It's not a blowout. It's fine. What? And that's, that was huge. And what? I think that a lot of that came from a lot of people saying, no, if you're wrong, you've got your facts wrong. Why, why, do peop- why is it that we, that the two are often, um, particularly with the NDIS and, and around, the, around that, why is, why is that, why are the two often conflated as issues? What, mm. what, why, is, why, are we, why are we as people with disabilities considered a, a burden and, and a drain on, a drain on resources without, uh, I guess without people ever delving into the re- real, real facts or at least questioning that. I think it's like I was saying before. I think for a long time people with disability were thought of as a burden. You know that we didn't have anything to contribute. You know that we were always, you know, a drain on society. But that, I mean, but, you know, you and I, we all know that's not true. But I think for a lot of people, they don't encounter people with disability most of the time. They don't know. And I think that the NDIS, I get cross about the lack of knowledge of it. It's not a particularly complex policy. The implementation of it is slightly complicated. But the basic outline of how the NDIS came about, what it's meant to do, the costs of it, long-term, you know, all that stuff, and what it replaced are not actually that complicated. And I think it's... Uh, to be frank, I think it's lazy journalism for people to conflate that with the welfare so-called blowout. But I also think that's a quite a deliberate strategy from some of the government's more senior ministers, and I think it's pretty disingenuous and uh, nasty. Now, uh, going uh, going back, if we can, uh, just briefly to to the to how the the guy or and think about. The guidelines for how media should look at um, look at disability going forward. What I know, you're considering um, compiling a set of guidelines for 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 the media. What sort of things should the media be looking for, or what guidelines are needed? Well, I think most of the guides that are, exist are about language. So they're saying, don't say disabled person. Yeah, some disabled people say disabled person. You know, it's all about policing language mm. and, you know, oh, you must talk about people with disability. Yeah, no, I don't actually have to. Thanks very much. Um, what I would be, what I'm planning to do is to do something around who do you talk to? Whose voice are you hearing from, not hearing from? Are you doing a story where you're not having a single voice of a person with a disability? You know, who are the groups that you should talk to? Is an organisation disability-led? You know, do they have a person with a disability on the board? Most of the board with a disability. You know, some, some of the senior staff with a disability, perhaps, that maybe they're the person, they're the organisations you want to talk to, rather than an organisation that, say, doesn't have a single person with a disability on the board and has no senior staff with disabilities. Now, we've got a... Sadly, half an hour has just flown by, as <laughs> I knew it would with you, Well, I just had this feeling. Anyway... Because uh, you know I hate a chat, Finn. I, I certainly do. <laughs> And I'd, I, I, I don't mind one either. Um, just finally, if people want to look for your work and your, uh, your, your, 
your uh, what is the name of the the uh, croaky cro, yes, so you can find me on uh, Twitter um, blunt shovels as in a blunt shovel and uh, on Facebook if you look for L Gibbs writing you'll find me on Facebook as well fantastic well um, thanks for joining us tonight L and uh, really looking at how the media is covering disability good luck with your writing and uh, activism going forward thank you Finn see you later see ya okay we have been talking with Al Gibbs disability advocate and blogger <laughs> we'll be back on December the 3rd we will for the big bold breakfast as part of 12 hours of disability uh, disability ra- radio for people with disability by people with disability and um and it's going to be, and even even without people with disability in terms of audience, it's going to be fantastic. So make sure you tune in December the third from seven o'clock to. Well, uh, we'll be on from seven till seven till nine. But uh, you can, but uh, keep listening from six uh, six a.m. in the morning to. Uh, or 6am in the morning till about 6.30 at night so it promises to be a fantastic show we've got to go Tamil Voices are up next see ya and we're leaving with a song Darkness World by The Autistics <laughs>